630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Damian Warner winning the bronze medal in the decathlon. He was fourth in the 1,500 meters, enough to get him on the podium. So Canada's medal count growing again now to 17, four gold, two silver, 11 bronze in Rio. So there you go. And in about half an hour, we may have another one because Andre de Grasse is uh, going to run in the 200-meter Final and a pretty good chance to hit the podium there. So there you go. We got a gold earlier today. Erica Weeb in wrestling. We just had her former university coach on the show, Megan Benfito, got a bronze in diving, 10-meter platform. Um, Brooke Henderson, by the way, in women's golf, halfway through that tournament, is two off the lead. She is tied for third. So another medal possibility there for Canada. We'll keep you updated throughout the evening here on Inside Sports. The Blue Jays, by the way, today... Not in action. They did get a positive result earlier, despite not playing. Detroit beat Boston 4-3. Blue Jays are a game and a half up on Boston for first in the American League East. The Blue Jays will play at Cleveland tomorrow. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Eskimos at Argos on Saturday. 12.30 pregame show on Ched. The game will start at 2 and it'll mark the debut in green and gold for defensive end Jason Vega. Jason, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah, good to talk to you. I want to give fans a chance to get to know you a little bit. Let's start with the very recent history. Uh, man, what a week. <laughs> what, what can you tell us about the, the last year? I mean, you become an Eskimo and it looks like you're going to jump right in and play on Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a, a turnaround in the, the last couple of days. Um, you know, I go from working out Sunday morning and, uh, you know, just going home to enjoy some time with my wife and family and getting a phone call and finding out that I was probably going to be on my way here sometime that night or the next morning. So things change pretty quickly. And, you know, here I am a few days of practice in and a few hours away from playing in, uh, in a football game. What's the first third of the season been like for you? Because I'm sure you wanted to play. I, I never got the sense you were a guy sitting around saying that he was ready to retire or never or or or, or anything or anything like that. What what was the what was the waiting like? What was the staying in shape like? All that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it was. I guess it was a little bit different for me, um, just because I was always uh, you know brought up in the on the idea that football is not always going to be there for you. So I had always maintained the idea that it might not come back for me. Um, so, you know, I maintained uh, being in shape and whatnot because that's just what I've been doing for the last, who knows, 14 years or something like that. So um, that part of things just kind of kept up. And I'd watch the games whenever I got a chance because I kept up with work and, you know, just wanted to spend more time with my family. So um, it was it was interesting just because, you know, you think to yourself, like, man, you know, I know I can play, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it and then when the opportunity comes up you have to just take it all right um well you know what what were you doing you were, we were selling cars selling tires what what, what was the story here <laughs> uh the, the selling tires thing was from a reporter that was uh here 
uh, a couple of days ago that was asking me about a special that we had done for Adidas a couple of years back. But um, okay. I was selling cars at a uh, Waverly Chrysler in uh, Winnipeg where I was staying. So I was, you know, getting into the swing of things there and really starting to figure things out and enjoy it. So uh, that's what I was doing to occupy my time. Okay. Did you enjoy that? I did. I was because I was good at it, right? You, you tend to enjoy things that you're good at, and <laughs> I was uh, I was actually doing fairly well over the summer here. So um, I was starting to, starting to kind of feel my way through and get my bearings about me. Uh, so naturally, my uh, boss wasn't all too excited to hear that I was leaving, especially on you know about 12-hour notice. But <laughs> um, he understood because he knew that it was a possibility when they hired me. So serious. Okay, no, no, tell me, uh, I mean, what did, I'm just curious, what did you enjoy about it? Was it dealing with people? Was it the challenge of trying to convince somebody to, to make a purchase? What what turned you on about it? Um, well, I mean, I've always had an interest in cars, but I'm not like the, the mechanic geek type. So <laughs> the the actual bargaining process was really what brought me to it because when I was buying a car or my sister was buying a car or whoever, I would say, no, I'm going with you. Like, you're not buying with us while because I love this arguing and negotiating stuff and uh it just seemed natural that i would find myself on the opposite end of things jason vega joining us on inside sports defensive end for the edmonton eskimos he's going to make his debut on saturday against the toronto argos you, you played for winnipeg and uh you were in the nfl uh, uh you played with uh, dallas i think you were also on new england's roster as well i, I want to ask you about the uh the defensive end position Jason, it sort of has that uh, stigma, if you want to call it, where it's just like, well, you just put a big, fast guy there and tell him to go uh, rush the quarterback. Uh, probably not that simple, but it, it, was there any differences between the NFL and the CFL, the way that position has to play itself out? Um, I mean, naturally, I think you, you start to deal with a, a bit bigger uh, bodies in the NFL side of things just because, you know, those guys are, are you know, the, the best football players in the world, right? Um, so you're going to see a, a noticeable difference in the size of the, the guys across the board. Um, the, having the four downs definitely makes a difference because even though the, the CFL is definitely a cardio game in the sense that, you know, you've got to run around a lot, bigger field, you know, shorter breaks, um, the, the four downs definitely takes its toll on you, um, having to deal with some bigger guys over the, the course of a game. So, um, I think that would be some of the differences there. And then, you know, the schemes and all that stuff, it's just football. So it's just more or less getting more acclimated to the, the type of style that they're asking you to play and going from there. Okay. So how is it, is it difficult to, to step into a team like this and then play on the, on the weekend? I mean, is there a huge adjustment to the schemes or are there just some pretty basic principles from team to team that you, you know you're just going to kind of flow with and, and, you, and you've been through before I mean football is football right I mean there, there's not a whole lot of uh, you know exotic themes going out there as far as the, the, the way that defenses go now um, the principles are more or less the same so I've been around for a few years I've been in a few different defenses so it's, it's not a huge transition for me really I think the, the biggest part is just football shape right because you know, there's only so much that you can do on your own uh, you know running on a treadmill running a field doing whatever it is that you do uh, to prepare for this so when you come out here and you actually get pads on you you're running around with that and getting bodies pushed back and forth it's, it's a little bit different so I think that's probably the biggest transition for me as opposed to you know the mental and the, the schematic part of the game 
Uh, I often ask guys this question uh, about Odell Willis because he has a very, shall we say, unique energy. But you would have been his teammate before, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. Uh, and what do you what do you love about Odell? <laughs> man, I just I love his energy, man. It's just he's always energetic. He's always um, trying to bring the other guys under him. Like it, it's it's hard to describe, but he's just got an aura about him that guys want to play harder and. I, maybe it's because he has a, a little bit of trash talking uh, part to him as well and um, <laughs> tries to get the best out of guys. But it, it's really um, it, it's addicting almost in a sense for, for guys to be around him and say, you know what, yeah, I, I do want to play with him just because I want to shut him up. Um, and it's it's good that way, though. All right. Um, I mean, you're certainly aware of, because uh, you said you were following the league, so you're you're certainly aware of... Uh, some of the struggles the, the Eskimos have had on defense uh, this year. The points against have come down the last couple of games. Uh, just what's it been like practicing with this group, and do you see, you know, maybe a unit that's uh, hopefully going to be a little less leaky than they were uh, at the start of the season? I think uh, when you have a team like this and you have a bit of transition like they had last year, losing a couple key players in the secondary and, then you know, Willie Jefferson and guys like that, it, it kind of – hurts the continuity of uh, the secondary and, and the guys that are covering in the back end just more or less uh, being more familiar with each other and just knowing, okay, this is where this guy's going to be when I do this. Um, it's guys wanting to be more familiar with each other, and I think that's kind of what's going on now is uh, at the beginning they might not have been too comfortable knowing where the next guy was going to be, but now they're getting to the point of like, okay, you know what, I'm thinking just like he is now, and it's not really that much of a struggle anymore. So... Um, Touching things up, I think, more or less is just all schemes and, and just knowing where you belong and understanding where the next guy is going to be as opposed to, you know, guys not doing what they're supposed to do or anything like that. It's just more or less a more uh, an increased understanding of the schemes and how they all play into part. Jason Vega from your Edmonton Eskimos joining us on Inside Sports. Jason, just to give fans a, a chance to know you a little bit, and, and they can follow you on Twitter at Vega. Jason, I've tweeted that out as well. In your Twitter profile, you mentioned R.I.P. Mom uh, passing away in 2014. I know you have a picture of her, um, uh, you and her together on what you know would have been her most recent birthday. And um, you know, everybody has an inspiration, and I- I'm I'm gonna guess here from from looking on your Twitter account, your mom was probably one of your inspirations in football, and I'm guessing in your life as well. I just wonder if you if you could share anything about her and and what she meant to to your life and your career. Yeah, she, I mean she's really been everything to me. Um, you know, she she had gotten diagnosed with cancer in 2009 uh, when I was a senior or going into my senior year of college, and um, just her fight and just you know going from day to day and you know, having her go through chemo and radiation and all these types of procedures and everything, but she never felt sorry for herself, you know, and she never let anyone else feel sorry for her. Um, and she always pushed on and never complained, just did what she had to do. She always made sure we had dinner on the table, always did things that we needed her to do, and maybe even more. So um, just carrying that, you know, thought process in my head, to say, okay, well, she's got all these things going on, but for some reason she still feels like she has to, you know, make my dad's bed and, you know, take out the garbage and do all these things that she probably shouldn't be doing anyway. Um, it just kind of served as a source of inspiration to me to say, okay, well, you know, even on my worst day, it's not as bad as what she's going through. So, you know, I carried that going through the years, and she had her struggles, certainly, where she 
had overcome it and then it came back and uh, finally in 2014 things really took a turn for the worse for her um, but even still she never felt sorry for herself and um, that was really uh, important for me to see and for me to understand because there is always someone who's doing worse than you and that was something that she repeatedly said to me you know there's always somebody doing worse and you know something that's going on in someone else's life that can be a lot more meaningful than what's going on in yours so just be grateful for everything that you have so when she did pass it was you know something that i really took to heart because she was always my biggest fan she may not have understood what was going on um in football but she definitely was my biggest fan from end to end so um, just carrying that from that point on was, was difficult, I guess, initially, but now I, I have a much better grasp on it. Well, Jason, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that, and uh, it's great that you've joined the Edmonton Eskimos. I look forward to, to watching you play in green and gold on uh, Saturday afternoon against the Toronto Argos. Man, again, welcome to Edmonton, and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on. We'll be talking soon again. That is Jason Vega. Now you know him a little better. Defensive end for the Edmonton Eskimos. And, uh, yeah, pretty cool story there about his inspiration he drew from his mother as she battled cancer. And, you know, again, get to know guys uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we, we've all lost somebody to something, and Jason was willing to share his story there. You can always text us at 630-630. The open line number is 780-496-0063. This portion of Inside Sports, by the way, presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. Western Canada's most important horse racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby presented by CIBC at Northlands Park will be on Saturday. We'll have more football talk a little bit later on. Keon Raymond is going to join us. He's a defensive back for the Toronto Argos. We will get uh, a boxing coach's perspective on the boxing scandal out of Rio. Some very interesting stuff going on there. Chris Andrews will join us after the 7.30 news. The men's 200-meter final in Rio is moments away. We will keep you updated. And Damian Warner tonight wins bronze in decathlon for Canada. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, thank you very much, Mike Riley. Keon Raymond is going to be trying to intercept your passes on the weekend. We're going to hear from the Argos defensive back later on on the show. You know, you know what we're also going to have later on, Kellen? A little What's over that? an hour from now. You probably sure. hear this. Uh, we're going to be talking about monster trucks. Oh, there you go. Monster truck throwdown oh i see i thought you'd decide to upgrade your ride you know and <laughs> <laughs> i'm going from a corolla to a monster truck oh, there's monster truck corollas out there you can get it uh, really whether you just put big tires on your corolla yeah that's pretty much what they do uh so this is going to be fun and we're going to give away tickets to this which is it's coming up on the weekend not yet mm. uh, later on tonight yeah. we'll be giving away tickets to the monster truck throwdown oh cool apparently bounty hunter mm-hmm. will attempt the incredible 360 backflip yeah, is go, that one of the trucks? Yeah, go YouTube it. There, there's been attempts in the States, uh, and they're spectacular. That's all i got to say. Now, how many of these monster trucks have you heard of? Bounty Hunter. Oh, yeah. He's a former world champion, so he's wi- widely well-known. Yeah. Iron Outlaw. That's a truck from Alberta, so, yep. Scarlet Bandit. Widely known. Uh, Avenger. Yes, he's a former world champion as well. So there's four... Uh, world-class trucks right there. How do you know all this? Like, I'm a man of You're a wealth many, of knowledge. many entrance. You're a wealth of knowledge. Many things. I'm a man of many interests and many things, Reed Wilkins. We got. Uh, we were talking about 
Goalie equipment. Hockey rule changes earlier. This texter says, the goalie equipment is too large. The catching mitt can catch a volleyball, and the blocker seems to be the size of a large baking sheet. Goalies should showcase reflexes and how agile they are. Goaltender's skill has decreased while goalie equipment has increased. Also, the game has changed from how are we going to get a goal to stand in front of our goalie and make sure the other team does not score. The only thing I would quibble with on that one is I don't think goaltender's skill has decreased. I, I think goalies are more athletic and more talented than ever before. You used to put the kid that couldn't skate in net, right? Now, some of the most athletic players want to play goal. So I don't, I don't think goaltenders are making saves only because of the equipment, um, but I think it's, it's shaving off some goals here or there. That's all. Uh, what are they doing? Are they replaying the 100 meters? Oh, they got a story on DeGrasse. That's yeah. what it is. Okay. It they're like, building up hype. They get to build the hype. Build the, the hype Olympics train up. Yep. I got to say, we're pretty lucky to live in Canada. Uh-huh. Does NBC show anything live? I haven't no. watched a second of no. NBC's coverage. No. I've, I've, before I took off from work last night, I was watching a bit of NBC's coverage from earlier in the day, and they were airing the women's beach volleyball, I guess it would be final, that CBC aired, what was it, at like 5 o'clock yesterday? I, th- I thought the women's beach volleyball gold medal match was started during the end of Inside Sports. Okay, yeah. I thought I watched the end of it when I got home. Yeah, and so... Agatha and yeah, uh, Barbara yeah, there from we go, Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, NBC started it and played it as live at 11.30 our time last night. Uh, no, it was over by then. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was way, way over, but they played it as live. They put the little well, maybe in the Eastern, live thing in the Maybe in the Eastern time zone they played it live, but they start the coverage at the same time in every time zone. See what yeah. I mean? All I can say is there's a little live bug over top of the N- NBC peacock there. All right. Well, anyway, I do enjoy, I mean, we got, like, so CBC has stuff, TSN has stuff, Sportsnet yeah. has stuff. Oh, yeah. You're getting everything. And it's then awesome. if you do yeah. miss something, they'll replay it. But yeah. you can find, I mean, they were showing field hockey. Yes. Here we go. 200-meter final coming up. Uh, we're going to be back in about six minutes. We uh, may have the result by then if the race starts on time, but we'll certainly have it for you. We'll talk a little bit about the Olympic boxing scandal. I don't know if you saw this Irish boxer drop an F-bomb in his post-fight interview after losing a, a, a judged match against a, a Russian, and uh, there's been some uh, reps and judges getting in trouble there. We will talk to local boxing coach, former Canadian champion Chris Andrews when we get back. It is Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. grass ready to rock and roll in rio it has been a good day for canada three medals already today the most recent damian warner getting a uh, bronze in the men's decathlon so he did well uh, had a really good uh, javelin to uh, to help himself there a gold for erica weeb in wrestling the 75 kilo category 
Megan Benfito gets a bronze in diving the 10-meter platform. 4-2-11 for a total of 17 is Canada's medal count. So uh, this is fun. A lot of Canadians watching this race. Certainly, well, I mean, Bolt's the favorite. We'll see if DeGrasse can get on the podium again. Bolt, by the way, his world record in the 200 meters, 19.19 seconds <laughs> back in 2009. No. That's almost 18 seconds. 19.19 seconds to go uh, 200 meters. Uh, not bad. DeGrasse is in lane four. Bolt's in lane six. LaShawn Merritt from the United States in between them. Sorry, Callum, I cut you off. No, I'm just saying that's uh, pretty impressive. You know, almost an 18-second 200-meter well, run. Well, time. Yeah, Are I mean, you kidding almost, me? Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's just well, it, the acceleration is is, is amazing, yes. and, and we see Bolt in the hundred, not the best starter, no, uh, generally. But then once he, he gets going, yeah. he just blows by guys, just just it's, just eats them up. Yeah, and DeGrasse has that element too. Bolt, the t uh, taller of the two guys already. This is fun. I mean, uh, DeGrasse just just twenty one. And I mean, his story is well publicized. He didn't—he didn't start sprinting till four or five years ago, mm -hmm. and and he's become a world-class sprinter. So, yeah. so representing Canada well, and uh, they're just announcing um, the runners right now. So we'll we'll keep you updated here. And in a few minutes, we're going to bring in a local boxing coach. He's with Cougar Boxing Club, former Canadian champion himself, Chris Andrews, because we want to get some uh, balanced perspective on, on the boxing scandal in Rio. The sport's taken a bit of a beating right now because of some of the judging controversies. You probably saw the interview with the Irish boxer, uh, you know, dropping a nasty word uh, on live uh, television. And he said amateur boxing stinks from the core to the top. He said he would uh, never fight again uh, in, in a uh, competition that involved... Uh, the the amateur the uh, amateur international boxing association. So, and we'll see if he he sticks to that. But they've done some shuffling around of the of the people in charge of boxing and some of the judges. So that's going to be interesting to talk to Chris Kelsey Braid, by the way, from TSN, is going to join us in about half an hour. We're going to do a little bit of a a small town boy segment. We're not boys anymore. I grew up in Evansburg. Kelsey grew up uh, not far away in uh, Marathorpe. And now he's on TSN, so he's done done pretty well for himself in the television sports world. Did you guys play each other in any sports? I don't think so, and I think I'm older than him. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, I'm, pre I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm older than him. Yeah, okay. He's just a lad. Ah. But uh, th th that'll be fun. And mm. uh, Keon Raymond's going to join us as well. This portion of Inside Sports, by the way, is presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. Western Canada's most important horse racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby presented by CIBC is at Northlands Park August 20th. That, of course, is Saturday. I mentioned uh, both the men's and women's 4x100 relay teams are into the finals. Those will be tomorrow. Brooke Henderson tied for third in women's golf. They have two more rounds to go. She is two shots off the lead. So another medal possibility in uh, women's golf. It'll conclude on Saturday. Tomorrow, women's bronze medal match in soccer. Don't forget about that. Canada will try to win bronze for the second straight Olympics. They'll be taking on the host nation, Brazil, who were eliminated in penalties by Sweden, a game that featured no goals in 120 minutes of action. And then it went down to the penalties. Canada lost 
2-0 to Germany. 7.37 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, you can always reach out by texting 6.30, Get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. The email, inside sports at 630Ched.com. The open line, 780-496-0063. All right, we're going to have a result for you uh, right away in the men's 200 meters. As a matter of fact, they are off and running right now. It looks like the grass got out pretty good there, Kellen. He's making up the uh, stagger. Yep. Right away, uh, it looks like oh, Bolt is in control. Oh, he's a monster. I think the oh, grass <laughs> might get... Uh, we got a silver. We got a silver. Andre DeGrasse yep. second to the line. Bolt letting up at the line, 19.79. So how about that? Andre DeGrasse bronze in the 100 meters, and he gets a uh, silver in the 200 meters. So now a four medal day for Canada and we have equaled our medal total from London. The goal for on the podium as CEO Ann Merklinger told us last night mm -hmm. was to beat in London. So obviously right that's uh, getting to 19. So there you go. Cool. Bolt wins again. DeGrasse. Uh, man, he was getting pushed. He was. But his last 30 meters were really good. Yep. Yep. Now let's see if Bolt comes over to chum around with DeGrasse here after. Well, he's we'll uh, he's having his moment here, getting yeah. his picture taken. And well, it might be also is, is we don't know if it might it'll be his last Olympic moment or not, but we'll see. I assume that's the guy that got bronze. Yes. He just exalted and fell to the track. I yeah. missed what country he's from. France. Okay. Yeah. He must have not expected to do that well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there the British been, athlete's been, not happy. Must have been close at the line. We'll uh, we'll check out a replay. Okay. So there's the breaking news. Silver for Andre DeGrasse in the men's 200 meters. Let's get uh, Chris Andrews on the phone. We're going to bring him in right away as the great Usain Bolt wins again. Double gold again in uh, the Olympic Games. I'm going to have to... This is the thing about watching <laughs> the television without the sound on. I'm not sure what's going on with the 1978 is Bolt's official time. Over half a second off his world record, and he still cruises to victory. All right, is this Chris? It is. He's oh, ready to talk. All right, perfect. Chris, I, I didn't know if you were home or watching TV, but if you were wa watching the 200 meters, I thought I'd let you watch it before bringing you on for the interview, man. Thanks for no, joining no us. No worries. I didn't watch it. How did it go? Uh, both won. DeGrasse got silver. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, just like in their prelims there. The Bolt, did you see that when Bolt looked at him and he kind of was coming up on him at the end there? Yeah, they, yeah, they were pretty much talking to each other. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Bolt's like, whoa, what are you doing here? And a French <laughs> runner got third out of lane seven, and he seems to be the most surprised person in the stadium. So I'm guessing he didn't expect to, to get third in that race. So, but hey, go Canada, right? Yeah, DeGrasse is a great story. And, you know, Bolt's only 29, so does he come back at the age of 33 and run in 2020? Let's hope so. If he could continue on the trend, why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's incredible stuff. Uh, uh, 1970. Kind of, it, was, it was raining a little bit, so I imagine that affected the, the speed of the track. Right. It probably wasn't as dry yeah, as they would like. Yeah, that's about what he ran uh, the last, I think it was 1978 or something. Yeah, so DeGrasse gets a bronze and a silver. Uh, there Perfect. have only been three. He's now only the third Canadian to get two sprint medals in the same Olympics. They're showing yes, the replay. He got, he got a bronze in the 100, I believe, yes? Yes. Yeah, they're yeah. showing the replay now. You know, DeGrasse did well. He was getting challenged. And, yeah, he was able to pull up, and they're showing the replay. Yeah, and the French sprinter in lane seven on a, like, heat by a nose. Chris, when you get home tonight, right. 
by a nose, by by leaning in, he gets the bronze medal. So it's that's kind of be funny a... seeing the size difference, isn't it? I think uh, the grass is only 165 pounds, like 5'10", isn't he? Yeah, and, the bo- and, Bolt. and Bolt's, like, Bolt's legs are almost as tall as DeGrasse's right. whole body. exactly. So. so he has to work that much harder. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, we wanted to have you on the show to talk a little uh, a little boxing. Uh, you're now with Cougar Boxing Club. And give people uh, your resume a bit, because we were, we, were, we were talking earlier. I mean, uh, you've right. been in a lot of high-caliber fights, including being a former Canadian champ. Definitely. Uh, I've been in the Cougar Boxing, actually, since I was 10 years old. A guy named Larry Fleming ran it for years. He was my mentor and uh, brought me up to the arm strength. I actually had 110 amateur fights here in Edmonton. So it's uh, to get those kind of fights is kind of unheard of nowadays, right? 110 and, uh, amateur, I turned, okay. I turned pro in 2002, which I got off to a kind of shaky start because I had kind of lifestyle changes. I was in the right state of mood. I was still chasing girls and doing what I wanted to do, right? And I kind of got serious in 2005, was it? Then I went on to win like 10 fights in a row, went on to win a Canadian title, defended it, and went on to be a regional world titleist, a WBA regional world titleist. And uh, I got to fight in Vegas on the Roy Jones Jr. undercard when he fought Bernard Hopkins at Mandalay Bay. I fought Freddie Roach's pupil uh, out of uh, Scotland and uh, did very well. Came back, defended my Canadian title, which I won, broke my hand in the first round, which I had two hand surgeries after the fight. And then that kind of made me kind of think, what am I going to do life after boxing, right? Right. So I had one comeback fight since then in 2014, which I won. And to get fights since then has kind of been hard, right? What weight and class are you in again, Chris? I was actually the 154-pound champion, but now I had my last fight at 175. Okay. So All it's right. kind of a difference, right? So I've had 26 years in the game. So. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on, because you know what's going on and when we talk this afternoon there's some other angles I want to get to as well but generally I mean we we had the uh the Irish fighter Conlon right loses loses mind after losing right. uh, and uh, he said if you talked about corruption he uh right. dropped the f-bomb on on Irish television um That's right. so I what's is this is this sour grapes or was there a problem with the judging there you know what uh Judging has been, they've had to come to a different level of judging before it was more technical and points and stuff. And now they're kind of more like pros, I would say, right? Each coach and each each person out there would have their own view of it. But me, I'm still the old school. Like, if you're going to be an amateur fighter, I still think you should wear the headgear. You should box more of a technical fight. Not Now it's turned into more like a brawl and who could punch harder and who's the more of the aggressor, right? And actually, you've seen a girl from the UK there get robbed too, right? Did, I don't know if you watched that one. I think Marshall or something her name was. Yeah, I didn't see it, but yeah, I from read the about UK, the stuff. From the UK, but yeah. she had a she dominated the whole fight, and she got she got it taken away from her. Like these people trained 10, 20 years to get to the Olympic level, and to have those dreams taken away from from them by judging is is absurd. So. Totally, yeah. So I mean, what's going on? I mean, do you do you buy it that there could be corruption and, and predetermined stuff, or what's happening that these well, decisions... when you get different countries come against each other and you have all kinds of egos and controversy, you're always going to get it. I don't think you could ever solve the problem. Okay. I don't think you ever could, but you're always going to get it. But it takes away from these athletes that have been training their whole lives, and to have it happen to them, what do you figure, right? So his outlash is kind of like, you know what? I'm done with it. 
Right, right. So in some, <laughs> in some ways, I mean, maybe he didn't do it the most tactful way, but but you. No, he you, never. But he sure made a statement, didn't he? And everyone's talking about it. Yeah, well, and I mean, uh, and, and you know, we're giving you kind of a Coles nose, but people can Google Olympic boxing. The, the top boxing right. executive have been reassigned. Some of the That's right. judges have been pulled out of Rio. And so, I mean, there's been a recognition here um, that, that something has gone wrong. Now, you said 110 amateur fights yourself. 110 amateur fights, and that's another thing is, the, taking away the headgear from Olympic boxing, I I should never think an amateur should have this headgear taken away. They're saying a false sense of security, and you know what? But you know what? When I was growing up, you never had fighters coming back to the corner all bruised up, cut up, and you know you never had these kind of things because the headgear protects you from that, right? Sooner you now you're having boxers come back with cut eyes, gashes, lumps on their forehead, and they don't even know if they could continue the next day. It's like, where does it stop? Like it, if you're going to take that kind of punishment, at least get paid for it in the pros. That's why it's always been a separation, right? Right. So, I mean, I, I, I thought that the argument with the headgear was that they, they made a smaller target, but but you just think it's not about the size of the target, it's about I the don't amount think of damage. So. I've never had a problem. Yeah. Like I said, that's one man's opinion to another. I've never had a problem, but I, I never came back to the corner with a cut eye or a gash or bruises all over my face. Wonder if I could continue on in the tournament the next day, right? Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. Sorry, I mean, I just, I'm curious, I mean, you've you fought so many fights at the amateur level and, and at the pro level, what's it like knowing that you might have to turn your fate over to a judge and you can't always trust what that person saw? That's going to be tough well, as an athlete. Well, you know athlete. what? I've had many close decisions, and I know what it feels like to have, your, have the fate t- tested over to a judge. But you know what? That's boxing, and in the end... Sometimes you just got to not leave it in the judge's hands. You just got to finish it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what all boxers aim for. You know what? Don't even leave it to the judges. Let's just take care of it before it even goes to scorecards. But to get ripped off after training so hard, and you know know usually when you win a fight, it's like hands down, the, the crowd knows, you know. And to get ripped off, especially after training so hard, that takes away from the whole point of doing the sport, right? But there, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always thought there aren't a lot of knockouts in amateur boxing because the fights are shorter, right? So they're often decided by judges. That's right. It's more usually fast-paced, more technical, right? Mm-hmm. But now it just seems like they're going out there. Like I've seen some of these fights. Like they're good fighters. They're good fighters, but like I've seen some. They're supposed to be top athletes. I've seen better fight cards in the Duke and a club card in the Duke, Alberta. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that's interesting stuff, and it's 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 not the kind. I mean, this is this is the like this is the worst type of story for a sport because I mean, what are people going to remember about the Olympic boxing tournament, right? Exactly. Like like it's just it's the it's the worst thing that can happen for a sport. Exactly, it ruins boxing. It ruins all sports. I'm sure it happens in every sport, as we know. Yeah. Boxing just one of them. But you know what? I don't think it'll ever change. And sometimes you just have to put your, you know what, you have to go ahead. Do I want this? I'm going to keep on doing it because you do it for the love of the sport, right? Yeah. Chris, you know what, to leave it in the judge's hands, it's it's hard. But you know what, in the end, we all go home and we want to win those gold medals. But if we don't, we go back to the drawing board and we know we did our best, right? 
Chris, before I let you go, you're with uh, Cougar Boxing Club. You're now coaching, so you know, good for you staying with it and helping helping the next generation. Look, I've interviewed Jelena Mergenovic several times. She's a world champ. She's got another fight coming up in October. But That's right. give us a sense of just the Edmonton uh, boxing scene. Is it a thriving community? Or are you are you struggling to keep younger people involved, or where would you say it's at now? The boxing the bo- uh, is usually run by KO Boxing. They're doing a great job here. And uh, you know what? They brought up a lot of talent in our city. I was one of them. I, I came through the KO Boxing team, and I had a lot of fights. And they're doing a good job. And uh, But they, I just believe you need to bring in the bigger fights. But it's hard with the amount of revenue and, and the economy right now, right? So to try to build fighters, it's a, it's a tough thing, right? So do are a lot of kids getting involved, or is that a, is that a struggle? There is a lot of kids getting on the amateur level. There yeah. is, but it's it. I see it dwindling. As when I was a fighter, we used to have strong teams, and now as I'm getting older, more kids want to sit at home, play video games, right. do this and do that, chase women. Their, their interests are elsewhere, so it's it's not as popular as it once was. When Definitely. you're when you're working with a with with a younger boxer, I don't know what age would be typical to get involved. What what are some of the what are some of the things you try to introduce the, to them uh, early so they stick with it and they stay safe? Uh, well, once is uh, good def- good defensive work, good footwork, trying not to get hit, and nobody wants to see their son go out there and take a beating. Obviously, right. Mm-hmm. And if, if they're getting punished early on in the game, they're most likely not going to continue on with their race. So you want it to be fair, and you want the best coaching as possible. You want them to uh, get well-grounded and well-technical in the game, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, we'll have to do this again because I, I think uh, I think I could get some stories out of you if we, if we ever oh, did this again. Oh, you definitely can. But thanks for <laughs> chiming in on what's uh, what's going on in Rio. Again, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, we'll see if maybe it's some change, change comes out of this. They train many years, these fighters, to take it away from them like that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not good for the sport, definitely. Chris, thanks so much for your time, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, buddy. Have a good day. That is Chris Andrews checking in from uh, Cougar Boxing Club. Now a coach, he kind of gave you an overview of his uh, career, turned pro in 2002, said he committed to it a little more seriously in 2005. He had a 10-bout uh, winning streak at one point. He won a Canadian title. He was a WBA regional champion had a comeback fight in 2014 and he's not happy he wonders how you change it some of the uh, dirty judging that's been going on we'll see 7804960063 quick timeout it is a silver for degrass in the 200 meters this is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet so Canada has equaled its medal total from London, still with three days to go. Andre de Grasse, yes, he does it. Silver in the 200 meters. Bolt, of course, wins it. I mean, didn't that go without saying if de Grasse got silver? Jared is on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Jared. How's it going, Reed? Doing very well. What's on your mind, man? Uh, did you did you see that article today about Ben Johnson saying he could beat Usain Bolt in the sun today? What? No, I didn't look at that. But it's interesting that I didn't know this. I guess a couple of months ago, it said in the Sun that Andre de, Ga- de Grasse ran on a track similar to that of Jesse Owens okay. and running in the same shoes, similar shoe to Jesse Owens, and he ran like an 11-2 in the 100 meters. 
on a, on the old-style track and old-style shoes. Well, what did Owens run in 1936? Do you remember? I'm not sure what he ran, but you know, it's interesting that everybody says that the athletes are bigger and stronger and everything, but if you look at humans, we're actually de-evolving. We're smaller. We're not as strong compared to all of our uh, ancestors. I mean, like Neanderthals would have like maybe six, seven times stronger than what we were. And uh, it's interesting that the training and the and the starting blocks and the shoes. You know, Ben Johnson said he he could run like a nine three today. Oh, really? Well, not in his current condition. In his no, he said he <laughs> could run a ten seven five. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, Owens. <laughs> Owens ran in uh, in Berlin in Germany, and I'm sure you know all the other stories surrounding those Olympics. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Owens ran a 10.3. They didn't have. They only used one decimal point then. It's, it's interesting that that part of it that you 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 kind of think that how much better are the athletes today, and even like when they're like when guys get surgeries done and they take like a tendon or a ligament out of his hip right. and they put it into a different body part. That's another thing because it's a it's a stronger uh, ligament or tendon, and that's borderline, uh, you know, suspicious as well as what some of the athletes are doing. But there's that book where they talk about it's called Nine Seven Nine, where in 1988 all of the sprinters admitted to being doped up, every well, single one of them. And I think you raise an interesting point about equipment. Um, I mean, some, somebody texted the other day, said, how would Mark Messier do in the NHL today? I said, well, he'd still be the same. I mean, if Mark Messier were born in 1996 and said he was born and was just coming to the NHL, he'd still be good because he'd have the same competitive fire and he'd have the updated training and equipment. I, I think, you know, I, I do think athletes now have access to better training and, you know, fitness keeps evolving and all that stuff and, and nutrition. But you raise a good point. How fast would a Jesse Owens been? I mean, there are guy. I mean, God-given talent is part of it. Jesse Owens was a fast human being. It, yeah. Would have he been as fast as Usain Bolt with the same equipment on these same tracks? Maybe. I mean, we'll never know, right? Yeah, no, it's interesting. And there was like maybe a week ago I heard in the radio they were talking about men's hand strength. Okay. How over like the last 75 years, how it's declined like maybe 30%. No way the strength so yeah i guess as we go to the more push button technology in society we're not going to be like uh, i guess you know in the in the jungles or or wandering uh carrying around uh woolly mammoths uh <laughs> on our back yeah i haven't killed a uh, woolly mammoth for no. at least five years but, even but like i mean like, guys... like, i mean golf's another great example right everybody says well look how look how uh, far much further tiger woods hits it than jack nicholas well give jack nicholas this equipment in 1966 yeah right i yeah. mean so yeah, it, yeah it's no. an interesting debate for sure it's interesting stuff yeah okay have a good thanks night. jared See you, buddy. Andre DeGrasse, silver in the uh, 200 meters. Kelsey Braid from Marathorpe to TSN. His story when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.